Hello, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 4 of Viking Story. My name is Alan Laycock-Fuchs, and you are listening to an accompanying podcast to a novel that I've written, which is set in the Viking Age. Now, you may have already noticed that my voice is a little sexier today. It's not because I'm more attractive, certainly not. Um, It's because I am a little bit under the weather today. Now, you may be asking yourself, why don't I just record this episode on another day? I don't really have a hard schedule or anything like that. And it's true. I release episodes when it's convenient for me. But on the other hand, I also have two very young children. And the opportunities I have to record episodes like this are few and far between. So in reality, I do have a hard schedule. And this is the reason I release my podcast episodes as seasons. It's because I do record the episodes when I get the chance, and then once I have enough for a season, I release it also when I have a chance. So bear with me. I'm going to get through this. We're going here. So enjoy the new voice for this episode, which is going to be about my main character, Bloodsword, actually. So I'm going to give you a, a profile of Bloodsword today. Yes, he is my main protagonist, and he is completely fictional. So Unlike a lot of the characters that I referenced in last season's uh, TV shows, for example, Ragnar, even Uhtred as well, um, these are based on real characters, and Bloodsword is not that at all. I have completely made him up, but he lives in a completely real world. So all the other characters that he interacts with, I mean, some of them are also fictional, but uh, a lot of them are not fictional. And so when he interacts with somebody who's a a proper historical figure i do try to be true to that character and uh, my character interacts with those characters those historical characters in a very realistic way also the events that occur during my fictional character's life these are real events for the most part so again i try to stay as true as possible to the actual history even though bloodsword himself is completely made up so first of all where does the name bloodsword come from well I got the idea from another Viking, a famous Viking named Eric Bloodaxe, and I just thought the name Bloodaxe was was pretty cool. Eric, by the way, was a former king of Norway. He was also one of the rulers of Northumbria during the Danelaw, and his father was Harold Fairhair, or Harold Tanglehair, and the nickname of Bloodaxe, that origin is is rather uncertain, but obviously if you're nicknamed Bloodaxe, Axes were a popular weapon during the Viking Age, and a bloodied axe would kind of indicate that you're probably not someone to be messed with. Probably you have a little bit of a fighting attribute uh, to you, and uh, yeah, if if you cross uh, Eric Bloodaxe, you're likely to be killed (laughs) for for that. So this is, uh, we can sort of glean that much from from the nickname at least. And I I always imagined my character, I, I imagined his weapon of choice being a sword, so naturally instead of blood axe i named him blood sword and that became my character's name so some of blood sword's character traits uh, i wanted to make him different from most characters that star in novels or tv shows as well for that matter Uh, i wanted to make him sort of a normal person so very rarely do we just see what a normal guy is like in the Viking Age. And I wanted, I wanted Bloodsword to be that everyman, sort of. And again, if we compare him to some of the characters that I talked about last season, Uhtred and Ragnar, Ragnar, he becomes, he starts off as a normal 
character, I would say, but he very quickly becomes, I think even in the first season, the chieftain of his region. And he becomes a ruler in Karakat and... Yeah, he's got aspirations to do these kinds of things. And Uhtred as well. He doesn't have aspirations to be like the king or anything like that, but he does have aspirations to rule over Bembra. And he, you can see that he's a natural leader. Men follow him. And this is complete opposite to, to Bloodsword. So Bloodsword is not a, a natural leader. He's not even interested in leading. Um, I don't think he's really good at it. And there are parts in the novel where he does try to be a leader, but it generally doesn't work very well for him. And I wanted to make the character unique in other ways as well. So he's very much a lone wolf. So he doesn't he doesn't have a group that follows him. He doesn't have a lot of friends. I tried to make him as singular as possible. So even in his family hierarchy, he doesn't have any brothers or sisters. He uh, only has one living blood relative which is his mother. And so he's very much an individual lone wolf kind of character. And I, I wanted to make that. I, I, that's an obvious choice that I made for this character. I also made him a berserker. So he's got a very short fuse. He's got a temper. And this makes him a little bit of an outcast in society as well. People were wary of berserkers in battle. They were great, but it was hard to switch off. I mean, you're either a berserker or you're not, basically. And so when you're not in battle, if you're just everyday society, uh, people would be a little bit on edge when it comes to berserkers because of their short fuse and because of their temperament. So this also lends my character to having few friends, but he admits that he likes it that way. His best friend is arguably his dog. And beyond Suter, uh, he's got... A, f a handful of friends, but really no more than, than a handful. Uh, but he likes that. He, he says he'd rather have a few very good friends rather than a lot of acquaintances, let's say. He's also a little bit of an outcast in the sense that he's not married. Again, this is a decision to keep him sort of singular and alone. But it would have been common in the Viking Age. I mean, life expectancy wasn't so long, and especially not for a berserker or a warrior. So you would be expected to be probably married and maybe even starting to produce children by the age of uh, roughly yeah, teenage years, I would say, late teenage years. Um, so my character, it's, it's never really clear how old he is, but he, he can't be much older than about 20 or so, early 20s. And So to not be married at this age would be unusual. This would also be suspicious and make him a bit of an outcast. He does receive a number of marriage proposals throughout my novel, obviously, People recognize that he, he needs to find someone. I mean, this is just sort of the, the, the natural order of things. But he rejects marriage. He rejects friends. He rejects ambitions of ruling or being a leader. He's seemingly only motivated by revenge. This is what really drives him. If he doesn't... And this is sort of like an interesting dynamic to my characters. That, that secretly, deep, deep down, he just wants to have a simple life. He would be completely fine... And again, this is kind of unusual because most Vikings did want fame and wealth and sort of legendary status, but Bloodsword would be completely happy just being off on his own, being completely forgotten about, just living a quiet farming life, and that would suit him just fine. And, and he admits that he's not completely normal in this sense, and he doesn't even like fighting. Like, this is, for a berserker, very strange, but he he kind of rejects the entire world. He just wants... To focus on himself that's who he is but 
because of certain situations that happened in the novel, he is fueled by revenge. So this kind of drives him from one place to the next, from one situation to the next, even from country to country, continent to continent. It's always fueled by revenge. And when he ultimately gets his revenge, he almost doesn't know what to do after that. And then usually there's something else that focuses on, on a new revenge. So, uh, yeah. But deep down, he actually just he actually just wants to have a simple life. The other interesting choice that I made for Bloodsword is that I wanted not just to make him an average normal guy, in a sense, but I almost wanted to make him unlikable. And you might wonder, why would I do that? Well, it sort of goes to my own sort of backstory in childhood as well. So as you can imagine, I'm a fairly nice person. And growing up as a child as well, I was very nice. But this can sometimes rub people the wrong way as well if you're too nice, like Leif Erikson, for example. So there would be times in school where kids would take bets on who could upset me. <laughs> so they would, you know, and I could get upset, obviously. I'm, I'm a human being. It did take a lot to get me upset, and this was the game of who could make me upset. So they would do things to sort of annoy me. And yeah, so I had this sort of growing up, I had this reputation of just being really nice. But I knew myself quite well, and I knew that everyone needs a release. Like, I'm not just nice all the time. Everyone needs some sort of outlet. And for me growing up, hockey, uh, or ice hockey as it's known in most places around the world, or hockey in Canada, this was an outlet for me. And it's funny because I'm the nicest guy, maybe not in the world, but you know what I mean. Uh, but on, on the ice, when I'm playing hockey, I'm, I'm a complete pest. I just, that's where I got all my aggression out. And I would hit body check. I would disturb the other team's goalie. I would do all kinds. I always played within the rules, but I, I tested those boundaries quite often. And, and for me, that was my release. And other than that, there wasn't too much for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't like actually fighting people in real society because that's, you know, illegal. And <laughs> But but if, if you could give me a setting, like a hockey game where I could be physical uh, with basically no repercussions, then, uh, then I would love that. Another arena that I used was theater as well. And again, I've, I've spoken in the past about my improv history. So with improv, obviously you have the chance to improvise and create your own stories and your own characters. And I would as often as possible try to make myself the bad guy. This would be another outlet for me, sort of to just release my aggression. But inevitably, I learned that when I tried to portray bad characters on the stage, my good personality just shone through. People would tell me after the show, uh, after workshops, things like that, and I think they meant it as a compliment, but I never took it as a compliment. They'd say, you know, when I saw your character, I didn't like him at first, but then I started to understand his motivation, and it made sense, and actually by the end, I, I liked him. And I'm like, no, you were supposed to hate my character. But for me, it was just impossible to portray myself really as an as an evil person or a bad person like it's very difficult for me apparently so what i thought of doing for this novel was having a character like bloodsword who would be theoretically an unlikable character so not a character with any sort of motivations to do anything special or great so you don't really want to get behind him for that like he just wants to be a farmer basically or have a simple life He's got a short fuse, a temper. He, you know, he often starts the fights or, well, from his perspective, he's not starting the fight, but from a neutral person's perspective, he would be the aggressor. So you wouldn't 
want to get behind him really. And I knew that if I portrayed him like this, because my natural positivity or whatever you want to call it, I believe it will naturally come through. I, and as the main protagonist of the novel too, I think the reader will get behind Bloodsword. So I thought even presenting a character that's kind of not ideal, not a natural leader, not a very friendly person, I think you'll still get behind this character. And I, I did give him enough good qualities that, you know, you do have something to latch on to. For example, Bloodsword has a very strong moral sense. So if he feels like there's been a wrong, he'll try to right that wrong. He has a very good moral compass, I would say, and he acts very morally, and he's very honorable in that sense. He doesn't do anything that he sees as dishonorable. So there is enough to the character to like him, but at the same time, I didn't want to make him an overly goody-goody, two-shoes kind of character, because I also felt like I didn't have to. He can be a little bit more edgy, and I felt because of my style and because of some of the attributes I will give him, I think he'll be likable anyways. But it was an interesting experiment. But I haven't heard anyone who's read my novel yet say that they don't like Bloodsword. So that's good, I think. He's, you're, you're supposed to like him, but he's not supposed to be a typically likable character, if that makes any sense. Another thing about Bloodsword is that he's very untrust, untrusting of authority. So whenever there's an authority figure, there's very few authority figures that he likes. He just sees people in those high positions of power as having sort of ulterior motives or there's some probably underhanded reason why they've gotten to the position that they've gotten. He doesn't believe that a, a good average everyday kind of person can rise to that kind of level of importance. So there's very few authority figures that he actually respects and this plays itself out throughout the duration of my novel as well. The last thing I'll say about Bloodsword is, yeah, it's an interesting comparison that I kind of came to after I'd written my novel, but he is in many ways similar to Thor. His main attribute is that he's very strong, he's a good fighter, he's also got a very strong moral compass, as I've said, very much like Thor, always tries to do the right thing and abide by the rules as much as possible, but to an outsider, to a neutral person, you would look at Thor and you'd be a bit wary of him, you'd be a bit scared of him sometimes even though he is a good guy. And the same could be said about Bloodsword as well. So yeah, there's a, a comparison to be made there, I think, actually, although that wasn't a conscious decision that I made, but it is it is an interesting comparison that I've come to realize. So I would say that's my main character, Bloodsword, in a nutshell. Obviously, you'll learn more about him if you read my novel, but as a sort of general grounding, I would say that's a good start. And I really think I need to take a break now because it's getting actually difficult for me to talk. So let's do that. Ah, that's a bit better. <clears throat> I was dying a bit there before the battle horn, but uh, feeling much better now. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode. In the next episode, we're actually going to do the first Viking Story interview. And that's going to feature Spencer St. Clair, who was my main person of contact at St. Clair Publications. If you want to learn more about St. Clair Publications, please head over to their website, stclairpublications.com. There's lots of information there, exciting authors and books as well. If you're interested in purchasing my novel, it's available currently on Amazon. Just search for my name, Alan Laycock Fuchs, and you'll be able to find it. And also, 
If you want to support this podcast and make your life easier in podcasting as well, click the link in this episode description for Alitu. Alitu is a wonderful tool that I use to make editing simple. It allows me to concentrate on the content and saves me a lot of time when it comes to the editing process. That's it for announcements for today. As I said, look forward to the interview coming up next. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, if you've got questions, if you're a fan, if you'd just like to say hello, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me via email at vikingstoryfaq at outlook.com. Once again, that's vikingstoryfaq. Thank you for listening, and as always, cue Thor's Thunder.